episode 82 of the Small Business Startup Essentials podcast, an interview with podcaster and author Jeff Brown of Read to Lead podcast. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Biz Startup Essentials podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help you turn your dream of having a small business into a reality and to provide you with enough tips and tools so that when you finally decide it's time to launch, you'll be more profitable quicker because you built a solid foundation for the business. You know, maybe you're in a job you don't like and you're looking for something different. Maybe you're just wondering if starting a business is a better path for you or, or maybe you're doing well in your career path, but retirement's coming and you just want to be prepared for life version 2.0. Well, whatever the situation you're in, you're here. Glad to have you. Welcome. Hope to provide enough value and helpful content for you so that you'll subscribe and automatically get all the new episodes. So let's dive in. But today, I'm very pleased to have with us as a guest today, Jeff Brown. And Jeff's a podcaster, a mentor, a speaker, and his goal is to help you bridge the gap between intention and implementation. And he loves helping others realize their full potential. He does that mainly through public speaking and the mastermind groups he facilitates, but he also has a membership platform, courses, coaching, and consulting too. And before beginning the Read to Lead podcast, he spent 26 years in the radio and music industry, and the Read to Lead podcast began in 2013, but since then, he's been fortunate enough to interview a number of New York Times bestselling authors, including actor and author Alan Alda, John Maxwell, Seth Godin, Dan Miller, Daniel Pink, Simon Sinek, and many, many other very influential people as well. In May of 2020, his podcast led to the signing of a book deal, Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. You can hear his podcast, Read to Lead, on all the major podcast providers. And as of this recording, he's now up to 409 episodes. <laughs> Amazing. So the Read to Lead podcast has been a top 10 business and top three career podcasts in iTunes. It is an iTunes Essentials podcast for the book lovers and has been nominated Best Business Podcast no fewer than four times. Now, Jeff lives just outside of Nashville, Tennessee with his wife and three dogs. Jeff, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Thomas, so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you for sure. I've been following you for quite some time. Uh, we'll admit it's not from the very beginning because I stumbled upon you a couple of years ago. But you're up to 409 episodes of your podcast. That's amazing. So, Jeff, help us to, to learn more about how you got started with becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, I spent a fair amount of my career in radio, as you mentioned, um, and then uh, got let go. Uh, that happened to me actually a few times in radio, if I'm recollecting correctly. I think all but one of the jobs I ever had in the industry, I got let go from. That's kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, but that last one was a bit of a surprise. I'd been at the company for half my career, about 13 years. Um, had, had suspected some changes at one point, and then we got past a certain timeline, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe that's not going to happen. And then about the time I got comfortable again it happened 
but uh, luckily for me, fortunately, I'd already been thinking about sort of life after radio and began having conversations along those lines with my wife and, you know, what I might do, what we might do if I were to leave that job and venture out on my own. But before we really had a chance to formulate a real plan, you know, got the, got the pink slip. So that sort of timeline I'd been thinking about <laughs> and, 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 you know, toying with was suddenly a real thing and moved up considerably. And so I had to figure things out. Uh, another fortunate thing was I'd been sort of working a side hustle at this time for about three years, uh, a side business that I'd been playing around with in the margins of life. And so early on, uh, between the severance I received uh, and income I generated from that side hustle, I was able to sort of keep my head above water um, and figure out if this is really something that I wanted to, to continue long-term. Did I want to go look for a job or did I want to do my own thing? And within the first 30 days of being on my own through the side hustle, I generated what was twice my 30-day take-home pay in my radio job. Wow. And so when, when that happened, and I was very thankful for that side hustle to be there. Uh, when that happened, um, I thought to myself, you know, I can, I can figure this out. Um, it was a surprise to me, even though I'd been reading a lot of books on, along these lines. I hadn't really tested the theory. Uh, but it was a bit of a surprise to me that, that I could create things, you know, out of my own head <laughs> or, you know, out of my own talents and get paid well for them uh, more than I could get paid, you know, working a, a 40 hour a week job for somebody else. And so the chance to be able to see that uh, response to my efforts in the first 30 days was very encouraging. And so that was the catalyst for me making the decision that I was going to make a go at this. And that was, you know, eight and a half plus uh, years ago now. It's not all been rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> it's not all been a bed of roses. There's ups and downs to it, you know, along the way. And, uh, and you know, that's not that unusual, but I certainly have relished the opportunity to sort of be my own boss and set my own schedule and be, you know, as autonomous as I want to be and work when I want to and not work when I don't want to and, and make all those decisions, which I didn't get to do for the first, you know, uh, 20 plus years of my career. So what were you doing on the side? Uh, about 2010, I started a media company, a little boutique shop, if you will, where I just mostly worked with local businesses, helping them uh, launch their websites and in some cases, mobile apps. So this is 2010. So the iPhone's been out for about three years at this point and mobile apps are becoming kind of the end thing. But I found that a lot of small businesses we're kind of resigned to the fact that, well, that's just a mobile app for our business is not something that's in the cards for us. We don't have the money to have something like that designed and developed. And I was fascinated by mobile apps at the time, and it was doing a fair amount of research along those lines and discovered that just like there are website platforms that allow you to build websites without knowing any code, there are mobile app platforms that allow you to build mobile apps without knowing any code, and you can white label many of those. And so that's what I was doing. I was white labeling those. And um, and, and building those for small businesses. And when I went on on my own, I let others in my network know that I was out on my own now and doing this full time. And I had uh, several people approach me, Hey, I've got clients who I, you know, I do media buys for, or I, uh, I, I help with their advertising and their marketing and, and they would love to have a mobile app. I'd love to hire you on their behalf to have you do that. So right out of the gate, you know, I had people sending me business. Uh, friends of mine in my network who worked with people who needed something like that. 
and they didn't know how to go about getting it done. And then you know, I sort of fell into their lap. So, so that's what I was doing. I did that uh, only for about six or eight more months. I'd been doing it off and on you know, for three years up to that point, just whenever the mood struck. Um, but it was kind of my full-time gig for those first six or eight months. But after about that amount of time, I began figuring out ways to earn income based off, you know, the podcast and things related to the, to the podcast I had launched right around the time I got, I got let go. Well, that's interesting because here you spent your career in radio, but what you were doing on the side had nothing to do with radio. How did you sort of, was this sort of a side interest that you had that, or was it, do you have experience in doing those things? How did you pick that as a side hustle? <laughs> yeah, good question. It was just an interest. Um, I was fascinated with, you know, smartphones were very young, you know, this is 12 years ago and, and smartphones were fairly new. Uh, I didn't get my first smartphone, I don't think until around 2009 or 10 or so. And, you know, the first one was that iPhone, really, that we all kind of gravitated to. I, my first smartphone was an Android phone. I didn't get an iPhone until a few years ago. Um, but I just remember being fascinated with the, with the mobile app space and and how it was impacting and changing the way people were consuming content online. That having a mobile app or at least a mobile friendly website uh, was very important to businesses. And and by the way, the the platform that I used mm. um, would allow you to build a mobile app and or a mobile friendly website. So. If a company wasn't interested in an app per se, but they just wanted to make sure their their website that they their existing website was mobile friendly, I could do that for them uh, as well. And so it was just a side interest. Um, I love tinkering around with blogs around the same time and building my own websites. And again, not knowing any code, but using readily available tools that made it fairly simple if you really wanted to dig into it and learn it. And so that's what I was doing in the margins of life. And I thought, well, maybe I could do this for other people and put it out there. And, and for those first few years, while I was still you know, working a regular job, I just, whenever somebody, you know, fell on my lap, I would work on something like that and make some extra side income. But then when I lost the job, mm. you know, I, I jumped into it full time. And, and as I said, I let my network know, and they came, <laughs> they went to bat for me and brought me, brought me uh, plenty of clients. Yeah. I'm familiar with uh, the app builder, Appy Pie. I don't know if you ever heard of that one, but I was fascinated I by that one. It, had a catchy name too. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I know what it's like to be fired from a job and it's not fun. You know, you don't like it at the time. And I've had a number of other job changes as well. And, you know, throughout the decades and, you know, when you're going through these things, you don't really know what it's going to lead to, but if you have confidence in yourself, and your skill sets, I'm sure you can land on your feet. And it looks like you were able to do that and start your own business and build that from there. And it's still a little surprising to me because you have this perfect radio voice. And and what I expected to hear was that you did voiceovers or, or some sort of media role, or at least staying in the realm of media. Mm. But you did something totally different, and and that's really fantastic because friends, you know, you don't have to stay in the same realm that you're familiar with. You can reach out and branch out and learn new things and pursue a separate interest or passion. And you know, just as Jeff had said, 
he was doing this on the side, but found that he could make some really good money when he had the opportunity to work at full time. So it's encouraging to hear that you were doing something totally different because it just helps us to expand our realm and our comfort zone, you know, get out of our comfort zone a little bit. And just glad to hear that you're able to to make a go of that. So how did you go from, well, you started your podcast in 2013. Mm-hmm. And how did you come into the concept of doing that? How did you make that transition into forming and creating a podcast? Yeah, about, about 10 years before that, I had really become a lover of books and seen how reading with intention and consistency impacted my career from 2003 to 2013. But I hadn't hit on the idea of doing a podcast about that until I was on my way home from work one day, listening to audiobooks as I often did in my car. And I had set a goal that year. It was like March of 2013. And I'd set a goal of reading a book a month. And I knew I was ahead of that goal, but I wasn't sure how many books I'd read. So I began counting them up in my head. And after doing so, I'd realized I'd read 10 and had 11 and 12 already in the queue. And so we weren't even at the end of March. And I realized that Hmm. I was on track to read a book a week, not a book a month. And that shocked me. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize I was that far (laughs) ahead of my goal. And when I, when I said that out loud in the car, like, wow, that's a book a week. This light bulb moment, sort of serendipitous moment happened where I thought maybe that's that podcast idea I've been looking for. I'd kicked around for five years the thought of doing a podcast, but had never landed on what it would be about and what people listen to me for. And, you know, I thought of podcasts predominantly as being weekly events, right? Most podcasts, not all, but many at the time, at least, were weekly shows. Uh, There are many more dailies now than there there were then, and many of them interview-based. And that, that fascinated me too. And so when I said a book a week that just resonated, I was like podcast, you know, podcasts are weekly. Maybe, maybe my podcast has been right under my nose. Um, I was already reading a book a week. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought, well, I'm doing this anyway. What if I could turn that into something, maybe get some free books out of the deal, which <laughs> I had no idea what that would be. I mean, I have no room for all the books that I receive nowadays. Um, and so th- that was in March and I began the, the planning process. So April, I, I researched the idea and, you know, it's kicked around, you know, what's the t- title of the show going to be? And is there anybody already doing something like this? Can I differentiate it enough? And, and then, uh, in May I bought the equipment, uh, in June, I began scheduling interviews. And then in July of 2013 with seven interviews in the can, I think it was, I launched I wanted to have 10 or 12, but it ended up only being seven. Um, and you know, that was you know, almost nine years ago. So um, I've done it almost weekly ever since. I haven't missed a week in about four and a half years, but they're in that first four years or so. I missed a few here or there. Uh, but I've managed to keep a streak going since December of 2017. So uh, hopefully that will, that, will, that will stay for, <laughs> for a good while. We'll see. That's fantastic. So when did it actually turn into a business though? When did you turn your podcast into a business? Yeah, I was in a mastermind at the time and and some of them was in two actually. And in both masterminds, I had people telling me, you know, you should, you should be teaching people how to do this. You, I had some success early on and was getting some, some notice from some prominent outlets and people and 
you know, some, some nice things being said. Um, and I was looking around and, you know, there were other people teaching this. I, I think of Cliff Ravenscraft at the time and, and John Lee Dumas, who hosts a podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire at EO Fire, had been doing his podcast for about 10 months or so when I started mine and was talking about coming out with a podcast course, turned out to be Podcasters Paradise. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, there's other people doing that. We don't need one more guy doing that. And who knows who else was doing that at the time? Uh, Dave Jackson of, uh, you know, School of Podcasting is another. But um, I said, you know, you should do that. But I kind of ignored them. And then out of the blue, like a couple of weeks later, I started having listeners to my show, a handful over the course of a couple of weeks, basically reach out and say, hey, Jeff, I'm wanting to start a podcast. Do you teach that? Do you have a course? And suddenly, you know, it's like when you you have like a parent tell you something and you ignore them and then, or your spouse, and right. then someone else random says the same thing. And suddenly it's like the gospel and you listen. <laughs> it, it took, it took having complete strangers that I didn't know asking me if I would do that over my, my, you know, peers in my mastermind group before I paid any attention. When I had strangers ask me, suddenly it, it, it had weight to it. And so I began working on my first course, or actually what I did was I built sort of the outline of a course and began marketing that outline and getting people to sign up for it before I'd even created it. I did that for about two months. And one of the ways I helped market it was, uh, again, at the um, suggestion of my mastermind group, I reached out to John Lee Dumas, who was launching Podcasters Paradise or about to. Um, he'd been on my show, so we had some interaction. Um, and John was selling his uh Membership at the time for I think a lifetime membership was six hundred bucks, and I was selling my course for two ninety seven. And uh, John was was doing you know joint venture webinars with people where he would come in and present to, to your audience uh, his course, Podcasters Paradise, and, and, and like most you know webinars, give you half of any sales. And so I asked him you know, if he would do a joint venture webinar for my audience, the, the small email list I had at the time. And he said, yes. And I said, Hey, I want to throw my course in for free as an added bonus. And so we, we added that into the, uh, to the webinar mix. And, and so I, I still got paid, you know, my 300 bucks for my course. I just got paid from John for all those sales that we did on that webinar. So they got John's course for their 600 bucks and they got my course essentially for, for free, you know, as a bonus. And so, that's how I seeded some of it early on. And then, you know, February is when it actually launched. And I, it, was a, it was structured such that I taught it live over the course of the month of February in four different modules and then recorded those and made those available for sale to others later. Like I, I enjoyed teaching that way. So um, that went well. Um, and I did it again a few times, you know, later on in the year. But that was February, about seven or eight months after I started. And though, you know, by you know most standards of most entrepreneurs, what I made from that first uh, set of sales was you know small. Um, it was equal to you know a month of my income at the time, and it was something I had fun creating. And once I created it, once it was done, I delivered it over the course of four different hours uh, in February and, and got paid a month's salary. For, and I was like, well, I'll do that all day long, <laughs> you know. And I've already created it. Now I can sell it again and again and again and, and watch my time involvement go down while my income for that thing goes up. 
you know, it becomes passive at that point or relatively passive. And so that fascinated me. And I just looked for other opportunities to do things like that. Uh, in addition to things like, you know, speaking and uh, advertising on my. Jeff, how did you come up with the title of the book? One had to come to me and say, Hey, Jeff, I have an idea for a book. You want to co-write it with me? <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, and, and his idea, his name is Jesse Wisniewski. He's the, and he had an idea for a book that he called at the time, the reader's edge. Um, and it was, you know, right up my alley. It was very much about the idea of the impact that reading can have on your career and your life. Um, and so we pitched this to publishers through an agent that he had. I signed with the same, uh, with the same literary agent. The title became read to lead. It ended up obviously being named after the podcast. Um, and then they came up with the subtitle and we went from there. So, um, that's something that I, you know, never anticipated when I started my podcast that I would later be writing a book as meta as a book, you know, a book about reading. That's pretty meta. You don't, you can't get much more meta than that. Uh, so, so I, I never expected that. I thought the podcast would just be this fun thing. I do this labor of love and it's turned into, you know, being responsible by and large for my, my livelihood in a multitude of ways. Wow. So how did you go from successful podcast host to author and now you've got to learn how to promote the book too i mean beyond the podcast right so mm. how do you turn the book into a business yeah that's a great that's a great question um you know I, some i guess write a book and then build a business on the back of the book and others build a business and and you know write a book along the way like i did Hmm. I, I think that's probably the better way. Um, you know, I'm writing this book from experience. This book comes after having done the podcast for eight years. The podcast was eight years old in one month or, or thereabouts when the book came out. And so, you know, I, I, I think having built that track record of interviewing people weekly, of espousing the benefits of an intentional and consistent reading publicly for eight years gave me a lot of credibility when it came to writing a book of this, of this nature. Um, and so from this, um, you know, the idea is to, we haven't, Jesse and I haven't created any courses from this yet, but we've certainly talked about it. But for me, the business of the book comes in the form of coaching and consulting uh, in-person and virtual workshops and training and paid speaking. So those are, uh, Jesse, my co-author has no interest in doing any of those things. He's got a regular nine to five job. And would rather earn passive income through courses, which we may do in the future, which is fine. That's totally cool. And I've done that as well, as I described. But my desire through writing this book is to do more of the former that I talked about a moment ago. And prim primarily in-person uh, and virtual workshops and public speaking. And so those are the opportunities that I'm really looking to do more of. These days have done a, uh, quite a bit of, in fact, um, I'm traveling in a couple of weekends to do more. Um, and in talks with, you know, I've got my spring pretty much filled with speaking gigs and looking to book the summer now. So uh, to me, that's exciting. You know, a book, uh, having written a book, whether it's self-published or whether it's uh, traditionally published like mine is, uh, can be a great um, sort of, uh, what is it, uh, give you a bit of legitimacy where others might not have seen it as readily, you know, uh, knowing that you've written a book. Uh, can often raise your awareness among people who might not have noticed you before. And I'm, I'm finding that uh, to be the case. Uh, having people find who never found me through my podcast, who didn't know my podcast existed for whatever reason, but found me via the book. An added benefit for sure. Yeah.
So read to lead is such a general topic, though. Who's your target audience? Yeah, when I first started, my my ideal listener, as I viewed them, was someone not much unlike me, but 10 years younger, where I was 10 years ago. So when I started my podcast, I was about 48 years old. And so I, I literally viewed my ideal listener as someone who was about 38. Joshua is his name. I gave him a name. Um, and he's where I was 10 years ago in the sense that he's kind of floundered in his career and he's not sure what the next move is. And, and one thing he's not doing is um, taking a lifelong learner type mindset. And what I want to get across to him is as soon as he does that, or as soon as she does that, things are going to change. <laughs> so I've seen that in my own career in life and in the life and career of anybody I know who is a regular reader. Um, and too many people aren't. And I recognize that a lot of people aren't. The, if you look at the stats and studies with regard to reading in the U.S., uh, the numbers are pretty abysmal. And so I thought, you know, I can have an impact in that regard. So I saw initially my listeners being someone who was where I was before they realized the power that reading could have on their career. And I wanted to be the person who sort of took the blinders off in regard to that habit and helped them not only took the blinders off, but then helped them make the most of it. And as you described, moving from uh, intention to, to implementation, you know, putting into practice, in other words, uh, what they've learned. Now, as I've offered various programs along the way, in addition to that sort of demographic, I also see you know, people who participate in my programs are often business leaders and CEOs and presidents and pastors and, and people we would all say are successful. And I've realized they are folks that understand that part of the reason for their success is that habit. And they participate in my programs or buy my book or listen to my podcast because they want to maintain that habit. They understand how that habit helped them get to where they are, and they understand the value of maintaining it and not letting it slip. Good. So the book helps a person with the mindset of learning and reading and helps to show the benefits of reading and developing, correct? Yeah, among other things. So the first four chapters are dedicated to why, basically why you need to read like your career depends upon. In fact, that's the name of, of one of the chapters. So part one is making the case for why this is a habit you need to develop if it's if you're not already of that ilk, if you've not already come to that conclusion. And the second two-thirds are about um, how to read more in less time, uh, how to find time to read, how to make it a habit. And then once you've done that, how to make the most of it, how to put what you're reading into action, how to increase retention and comprehension and that sort of thing. So where do you go from here with this book? Is Where do you see your business going from here? Just Do you want to continue with speaking? Is there something new in the works? Yeah, I really uh, see myself doing um, professional development training, both virtually and in person for teams, for leaders who desire to see their people grow uh, in areas of productivity, in areas of mindset, um, uh, you know, reading with a, 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 a fair bit of regularity, those kinds of, maybe they want to start a book club in their office. Um, but offering that type of training um, in a real tangible way and using my book as sort of the catalyst um, for that. I want to help people understand that, that uh, books can be uh, leveraged to create your own 
curriculum. When we went to school, we weren't in charge of the curriculum. We, we had a major, let's say, but, but it was others making the decisions as to what would make up that curriculum as adults, as, as, as post uh, higher education adults, uh, the learning doesn't stop. We may think it has, but it doesn't stop. The reality is, 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 is we can create our own cur- curriculums by using books uh, to do that. Perfect example. There was a point in my career where I realized that public speaking was a skill I was going to need to develop to reach my goals. It was not something I was fond of. I was fearful of, in fact, but I recognized if I was going to do what I wanted to do, I needed to develop that skill. And so the first thing I did was took the bigger, broader topic of public speaking and broke it down into smaller topics, like what areas of public speaking might I begin with? And so that came, became uh, presentation design, uh, presentation delivery, presentation structure, getting over the fear of public speaking. So I created these individual curriculums of you know three to five books each and stayed with one until I felt like I had begun to master that one, at least knowledge-wise, would put into practice eventually before I went on to, to the next uh, you know, set of books on that subtopic of the broader topic of public speaking. I think a lot of people don't realize the value in that, that whatever problem you're trying to solve, whatever, whatever you're up against, you're not the first person to face that problem. And, and another reality is, is oftentimes, not only are you not the first person to face that problem, but somebody else has taken the time to write about how they overcame that issue. And if you will avail yourself of that knowledge, see a lot of us, there's two problems with, with people who don't want to read is, is many don't want to learn uh, because learning it means admitting at least briefly that, you know, there's something you don't know, which we're taught to avoid. And so it's easier not to learn and just get back to work. (laughs) And that's, that was my attitude for the first 10 or 15 years of my career. And the other thing is, is, is we don't want to change our minds. If a, if a book is going to help us get somewhere we've been unable to get to on our own, we're going to have to change our minds about something. Both of those things make us very uncomfortable, admitting we don't know something or admitting we were wrong about something. And only when we're willing to, to take on those issues and get outside our comfort zone are we going to be able to impact other people's lives. And the reason we were able to impact other people's lives is because we realized our own potential first, but it's, but it requires leaning into the discomfort that is admitting, you don't know something and admitting it might've been wrong about some things. Mm. Well, I can certainly relate to as soon as you get out of school, you know, you have the freedom to read whatever you want. I remember when I just graduated from high school, I get into science fiction and science fact. It was a book a week as you did, you know, and I always had a book in my back pocket. You know what I mean? Those little paperbacks. And it was just, it was mm. great because I could, I could read whatever I wanted. And the same for my son. I remember when he got out of high school, he pursued a path that he always wanted to pursue. And he started reading as well. And so mm. I can understand, I can relate to that feeling of freedom that you have. To, well, Jeff, your path is really interesting, really inspiring. And I hope, friends, as you're listening, you know, you can have some encouragement here because no matter what happens, no matter what twists and turns your career might take, your life might take, you know, you can pursue your passion. You can pursue a dream, you can pursue an interest, and you can really take it somewhere. 
And Jeff, you've been a, a great example of that. And just glad to have you uh, explain your, your history, your path to the listeners today. Now, I know your book is on Amazon for a very good price too, by the way. And but but if somebody wants to get a hold of you and find out more about you, how could they contact you? Yeah, thanks, uh, Thomas, for asking that. Now, a couple of places. There's readtoleadpodcast.com and also readtoleadbook.com. So pretty easy to remember, readtoleadpodcast.com, readtoleadbook.com. Uh, if you want to download the introduction of the book in the first chapter for free, you can do that at readtoleadbook.com. Read to lead book and read to lead podcast.com. Jeff, thank you so much for spending some time today and helping your listeners get to know you and, and your journey and, uh, um, hope that there's another book in your future too. Me too. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, friends, that about wraps it up for this episode. Please click on the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And you know, feel free to send a question or a comment about the podcast as well. I really want to know if I'm delivering the best content for you and what you think of, of the episodes. I saw a very encouraging comment today in uh, an email that I received. And don't forget, I have a, an ebook of the month club that I offer. The link will be in the show notes for you as well. Just send you a free ebook on the small business development uh, topic uh, right to your inbox every month. But folks, I always like to end by saying stay encouraged, follow your dream, and don't give up. <laughs>